Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation. I am TJ Jackson, and with me I have my eldest brother, Taj Jackson. What's up, T? What is going on, Taj? Nothing. We Nothing. Okay, so we are live on the Power of Love show. If you are watching us on Facebook or YouTube, thanks for joining us today. Um, you also may be listening to us on our podcast, on the Power of Love uh, podcast, which is available on all streaming podcast platforms. Um, if you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode. But here at the Power of Love Show, we like to just do positive, inspirational, hopeful content to help you get through this thing called life. With that said, we are not licensed therapists. We are just ordinary people who've experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it and we've learned from it. Saying that, if you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and to find it. Do not just rely on us. We have a great, great show lined up uh, for you guys today. But before we get started, I'm not going to ask you necessarily, Taj, how your week was. I'm just going to ask you anything exciting going on. Um, just, uh, just appointment, like because of Tiana being pregnant, you know, yeah. appointments. And so that's the only time I usually leave the house and, and stuff like that. But everything's good. Okay, you know? good. So not, not, nothing else pretty exciting after that. That's kind of trumps everything. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously if we did do the week, we had uh, several birthdays. We had two yeah. cousins, uh, mm -hmm. one cousin and two nephews. Both yeah, of us had. Yeah. Um, um, but a, a couple of things we, we need to talk about as well uh, is the passing of Prince Marky D, um, yes. which happened, I think Thursday, the day after our last live stream. And we, as Taj Terrell and TJ3T and the Jackson family, want to send our love to the uh, Prince Marky D family. For those who don't know, uh, he was featured on our title track for our debut album, Brotherhood. Um, and he was a, just a, a fun guy who, who just made you laugh wherever, whenever you were around him. So uh, he will definitely be missed by obviously not just his family, but by the thousands and millions of people um, who enjoyed his talent. So he's, yeah, he's, he's one of the first producers we worked with. as yeah. And it kind of set the tone for us in terms of just the comfort level. You know, he treated it. It was so almost well like said. long last lost family, basically. How So well life. said, Tosh. Because yeah. the thing, you know, we grew up in the studio and being in studio, but it was always with the Jackson filter and a Jackson mm -hmm. tint and a Jackson surrounding. So uh, when we went to New York and we got with <laughs> Corey and, and you know, uh, Mark, yeah. and Mark, Mark. Yeah. it was the first time we ventured out outside of our little bubble and they made it amazing. And yeah. I will always feel grateful and in debt to both of those, those men. So we lost one uh, just last week. And again, we just want to send our love. Mm -hmm. uh, with that said, Taj, real quick, uh, I want to just ask about the Tiger Woods. I want to send some condolences and, and some prayers to Tiger Woods and, and his family. Um, mm -hmm. Again, um, we sometimes single out celebrities because 
they a lot of people in the, around the world feel connected to them. So when when one of your favorite celebrities goes through an issue, it can mess with a lot of other people. So we just want to send love and condolences to, uh, or I should say, mm -hmm. love and prayers oh, yeah. Yeah, for prayer. a healthy for a healthy yeah, recovery, healthy recovery for, for yeah. Tiger. We still don't know the, the extent and severity of the injury, um, as we shouldn't. It's a private matter. And for now, we just need to just pray and, and hope everything goes as best as they can for him and his mm -hmm. family. Yeah. Um, with that said, Taj, did I miss anything else that was worth mentioning in the intro? No, next week I'm going to probably have something. Um, I wanted to talk about Molly, but I, I'll do that next week. You sure? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to get more information and uh, more for that. Okay. Well, let's do this. So today's episode of the Power of Love show marks the third, the third and final installment of our mental health series. We are honored to welcome an esteemed professional onto today's episode, Miss Dr. Jessica Whalen. She has extensive experience in the mental health field and has served as, as a speaker and advisory board member in the areas of nursing leadership, psychopharmacology, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, attention deficit disorder, schizophrenia, binge eating disorders, and autism spectrum disorders, just to name a few. And that sigh was because... When, when there's words I can't even understand, I, re I realize how much more growth I have to do. Um, mm -hmm. But Dr. Wellen, uh, Wellen is also the owner and CEO of a national network of clinicians and Holland Inclusive Health System and adjunct faculty at Maryville University. She received her Bachelor of Arts from the University of Missouri, Columbia, and her Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree from Gold Farb School of Nursing at Barnes Jewish College in St. Louis. We're not done yet. She received her Master of Science in Nursing from the University of Missouri, Columbia, and her Doctorate in Nursing Practice at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. She wow. has published in peer-reviewed journals, such as the Journal of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. As a nurse, she has worked in multiple areas, including community, mental health, and inpatient psychiatric units. Despite her own struggles with autism, throughout her training and career, she has received several scholarships, honors, and awards. Her most recent award was given from the University of Missouri-St. Louis, where she served as an honorary adjunct faculty member through 2019 for her dedication as a preceptor. I'll be honest, I don't even know what a preceptor is, but that's going to be my very first question. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she's a policy and political advocate and participates in multiple organizations to support relevant healthcare legislation. In 2019, she was recently re recognized and published by the American Nurse Association as part of their year at, at, of advocacy. Jessica feels she has a diverse experience and passion in psychiatry and strives to decrease stigma and promote education and research in the field. Lastly, other future goals of Dr. Whelan are to become an even more influential leader and speaker, hold political leadership in office to especially promote healthcare and mental well-being of all individuals in the U.S. and have her company Holland Inclusive Healthcare be recognized as one of the entities hallmarking best practices in the industry when she where she grows up when she grows up. Without further much further ado, please welcome the one and only 
Dr. Jessica Willen to the Power of Love show. Jessica. <laughs> oh my goodness. You Okay, first of all, how many words did I butcher? This is like an over under. Not that many. I was okay. Yeah. You can be honest. <laughs> well, you are incredibly accomplished. You've achieved so much in life. Um, I have to stay true to my word as the first question. What is the preceptor? So that is someone who actually teaches and educates. It's it's kind of like doing an apprenticeship. I'm the person that's over the the, the apprentice. So they're okay. underneath me to okay. learn. And in nurse practicing, this is very important. They're apprenticing underneath to learn the, the trade or the skill. Gotcha. Okay. You learn something new every day. Okay. So I, I love to ask, start off with this question is what inspired you to go into the field of mental health? Um, well, I, I hadn't seen myself there actually. It just kind of fell there, but it definitely is where I was supposed to be. And I'm glad it, it, it fell in my lap. Um, yeah. I think most people that are meant to be there are called there and it definitely becomes a calling. Um, you are just right for it. I've had a couple students that are the exact same way. They, they know that they need to be there. And I definitely felt it the moment I walked onto a, a mental health unit um, and when my teacher or my preceptor, my clinical instructor was like, you have no fear talking to the patients on the unit. And I was like, why should I? Mm -hmm. It's a person. Mm -hmm. like, mm. what should, why, why am I supposed to be afraid? Maybe that's the autism. But, mm. uh, at the same time, I was also like, is there a reason I should be afraid? Um, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to another human. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing I felt like I should be afraid of yeah. um, at any time. Yeah. And I think at that moment, it, there was a difference. Okay. I, I always felt that way. So, oh, I touched. Yeah. Did you? So, you said that you locked onto it basically, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, did you ever have out or almost like did you push against it like this is not really what i'm supposed to do i'm supposed to i i my goal was this or was it kind of like just a little bit so <laughs> originally i thought i was going to be a uh, NICU nurse practitioner and that um, was the route i had kind of headed along and, and um <laughs> and it was yeah. headed that way and there was no jobs when i first graduated yeah. And I actually ended up being a medical assistant right out of school and couldn't even get an RN job when I first graduated from nursing and wasn't even headed that way. Um, and so, and I actually got experience in autism spectrum working in, as an MA in a developmental pediatrician's office um, and, and got kind of more experience in mental health there. And, that was another area and avenue that I started just picking up and you kind of just start picking up these bits and pieces and realizing how much advocacy um, is needed and mm. how, how much people need that support. Mm. But 
another area that it just kind of kept resonating and where I kept finding that for me, every step of the way in healthcare, and this could just be every step of the way for me, I've been a, I've been a butting against the system kind of girl. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt like my entire life, I've just been but what i love is you you do it with a laugh and you 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 seem like you have a really cool vibe about going through your life and that's i have a funny story about that too oh i would love to hear it so i had a therapist once that told me my affect was incongruent to my mood and it was inappropriate really and yes and it actually made me so stressed out because she was yelling at me and said, you have trauma and you need to be crying about that trauma. You should not be laughing. And I'm, you know, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, should I cry about life? Like, cause I've always been the type that I'm like, I yeah. just, you either laugh or you cry about it. Mm-hmm. That's all I've known. But mm-hmm. she was dead set that I needed to right. cry. Yeah. Is she, um, Dr. Jessica, is she still your therapist? No. <laughs> okay. We knew the answer. <laughs> I knew the answer, but I, I just wanted to clarify to the anyone out there who who's making them feel like that. Maybe yeah. it's time to change therapist. This is why I wanted to bring up that story. I love yeah. that. I yeah. love it. Um, <laughs> okay. So you shared with us in the pre-interview that one of your interests is autism and neurodiversity and that you identify as a female who has always struggled when trying to get a formal diagnosis. Can you first explain what exactly is neurodiversities for our listeners? I mean, I know what it is, but for our (laughs) listeners. (laughs) So, and I think that's exactly ties right into that. So it wasn't until years later, and that therapist story is an exact example of that. So I also love doing genetics. And later I learned that I actually have a gene that makes me 15% of the population has it that has you have positive affect under stress. So I actually do have a gene that makes me smile through stress. Wow. Um, And I actually have another gene that makes me more likely to be very stoic and have muted emotions. So if I I either tend to have not much of facial emotion or tend to just be more positive. So I tend to be more stoic um, in general. And you can think of different populations that have that. So Mm -hmm. neurodiversity is is just that. We have different learning styles. We have different thinking styles. We have different ways we perceive, learn, emote, express, all of these things. Um, And if personally, I think if we started having a better concept and awareness of this at large, um, we would probably have a lot less fighting and arguing. Um, because we would be able to express ourselves better, A, if we understood ourselves better and could express to others how we think, feel, and perceive. Some of us already have started doing that when we take those like personality tests and we take those work tests. You know, um, interestingly enough, people probably wouldn't guess that I'm an INTJ um, from a personality perspective, but that is introvert. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, I N N is what does N stand for? It means intuition. Intuition. I was gonna yeah. say you go with your thinking and judging. Okay. 
Okay. I, I, yeah, my uh, one of my friends tells me about that I need to take the test, and I need to do that. But um, okay, I have another question for you. Yeah. Um, can you explain? Because th- you're the first person that I want to say I'm having an in-depth conversation with when it comes to autism, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to know. I shouldn't say it like that, but one that's as uh, that can maybe explain things to me in a in a wonderful way. I'm curious to know about your search of diagnosis, like how that process was. Was it lonely? Was it isolating? And how you came and how you dealt with the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So for me, and my story is probably a little different since mine comes mostly through my more through my kids, and since I'm a practitioner my story is already different. So I also like to share kind of the route, a lot of my patients experience um, because theirs is probably more of a typical experience and theirs is a lot more of a path of frustration. Like I still actually don't have a full formal diagnosis. My kid, my kids are getting them. Got it. All three of them. And I always tell everybody we should be, my house should be a case study because every one of my children have autism spectrum traits and they all present all different um and there are some studies that support that the traits are more likely to carry through mom um (laughs) so it does not shock me since i am and i took the testing and i am like i only have like 30 points non-neurodiverse so out of 200 points I was a 170 neurodiverse, so not surprised that my kids are heavily related. So when getting the testing, though, in this in the United States, I feel like it is very hard, especially as someone if you are a what they use to say high functioning. And a lot of people don't like high functioning versus low functioning because even individuals that are that have language. And that's what they used to kind of categorize as what was high functioning people that could speak or that had verbal, verbal skills. Um, that doesn't mean that they're struggle. And that's why saying things like high functioning and low functioning isn't fair mm-hmm. because my struggle is real. I can, I can talk about that all the time. My struggle is real. Mm-hmm. My struggle is intense. And actually, sometimes the higher the functioning, sometimes the higher the the level or the capacity in society, the worse it gets. That I can speak to because the less people believe me or the less people want to um, forgive my transgressions. Mm. So if I make a social faux pas because of my level of intelligence, I am held to a higher expectation socially of what I should and should not know Wow! social errors that I am slapped with a harder repercussion. Mm. I lose friends that much faster for a blunder. Okay. Uh, another question I have to ask, and you know, I, I know our community has, you know, uh, has kids that are autistic. Mm -hmm. What advice would you offer to parents of children or even adults themselves who may be in search of a diagnosis first and coming up empty or feeling frustrated or defeated because they're not getting the, any, you know, I guess any definite, any, yeah, exactly. So what advice would you give them? 
keep going, keep going. Even if you have to go to 14 different people, keep going. My cousin, I think, had to take her son to 14 different psychologists before he got one that was actually familiar enough. I can't tell you. I cringe. I have gotten patients so many times. I can tell you how many results I've read that will read specifically this is why I'm so happy to be on the show (laughs) that say cannot be autistic because has good eye contact and is a female. Wow. That it literally reads that. And I'm like, okay, those are not exclusionary. Those Hmm. are, those are just two symptom possibilities. In fact, the DSM says for specific, those are just two examples of potential particular symptoms that are possible. You will not meet a kid from the South whose mom probably didn't bank it into him or her to look someone in the eye yeah. when they're talking to you because that's good manners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just is. Uh, okay. I, I have another question for you, Dr. Mm-hmm. Jessica, a member of our community. Uh, Marlene, she writes, my kid is different, but I hate being forced to put a handicap label on him when he has so many better sides than others. Um, the society only showcases negative sides. And because of that, he has such a huge anxiety. That's unfair. I see you nodding uh, pretty strongly. So, so what would you say to Marlene? This is why I love neurodiversity. And this is what I talk about with my kiddo because I want him to understand his autism spectrum so he knows where his struggles are. But I also, it's kind of like it's a sandwiching technique. I talk about where the struggles are so that he knows what the deficits are that come with being on the spectrum. But there are things that I appreciate about my brain that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't trade off. Mm. And someone who is neurotypical has the same thing. There's ways that their brain is not going to operate like mine. I'm curious to know. You just said there's things that in your brain that you are happy and you wouldn't want to. I'm curious. Like, give me one example. There's logical processing things that I can compartmentalize and I can put away. There's patterns that I can see and I can pick up on, like this, almost like statistically, that I I easily. I feel like it just comes to me naturally and people are like, I don't like I didn't, I wouldn't have even seen it that way. Love it. Okay. W- there's a lot of questions from the community. So um, I'm going to just go through some of them real quick, if that's okay. Um, Carol asks, is there different types of autism? So this is, this is, a, this is a hot button um, because in the DSM four, they broke it all out. And they had um, they had it as like PD and OS, and they had it as um, Aspergers, and they had it broken out. Now they have labeled it all as um, autism spectrum disorder. Okay. I like to still break it out for my patients because the stigma makes it very confusing. I almost feel that by putting it all in a lump. They almost did a disservice a little bit to the community right now because they had a hard enough time identifying individuals. They still do that. They're not picking up on individuals who may have not 
stereotypical symptoms. In fact, if you've seen anything about the new Sia video and there's a huge. Yeah, I heard about that. Type all it, is all up. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Yes. Um, they're really upset that it's going to be another, you know, people are upset. I'm like, it's fine. As long as they use it as another vehicle to talk exactly like we're talking now, that there are different diverse presentations that mm. that people i think if they use that platform this video is coming out this movie's come out that you know use that as a vehicle for change talk about what you see in the video and what that means and yes there this is what a classic autism looks like but this is what you know other individuals look like who are you know maybe not that presentation you mm -hmm. can use that to inspire and you can use that to educate. That's what it's all about. Um, then it's, then that's the purpose and then that's the beauty of it. Um, that just needs to happen. Um, as long as that's happening, then it, then it's great. But right now I think what they lumped it all together. Now we're back to having difficulty identifying individuals like myself who were constantly told you're too social. You have good eye contact. You do this. That doesn't mean that I'm not constantly at every minute hyper-focused on, am I giving enough eye contact? Am I giving too little eye contact? How are they perceiving what I'm saying? Like at every moment, what word choice? I am very fixated on what word I'm picking. Every word, every choice, every movement of body. See, and it, this is, and I, please forgive me. Dr. Jessica, if I just sound like I don't know a thing, but it seems like some people can maybe be autistic in a way if they're going through that, where they're being labeled as paranoid or, or something else and not really. So is, is this just the growth of our understanding of all of this that's leading us to understand the different levels of autism? So, and I think so. And I see that a lot. So that leads to that leads into a whole different layer. I see by different populations and by different skin tones, mm. get different diagnoses. Mm. And in my area, especially in the Midwest, where there is a little less uh, mm. <laughs> openness and diversity, um, there is a little bit more stigma and a little bit more labeling of different individuals. That's so, that's so unfortunate. I, I appreciate you mentioning that, you know, because I think a lot of times we we go through society just thinking that everything's working perfectly and everything is right. But, you know, because I, I, I just appreciate that point because labeling is a very powerful thing. And if you're getting labeled differently and with different type of, you know, negative connotations, it can really be unfair and, and messed up. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Mm -hmm. um, Sharon has a quick question. She says, how do you help someone you may might think who you may think may be autistic without letting them know what you think? Mm -hmm. um, what would well, you suggest? I guess my first question is why would you not want them to know what you think? Um, okay. Like what's the, I guess, uh, why, are they going to react upset or I like, think it but I'm guessing you're assuming they're going to be upset or that you're wanting or offended, or, yeah. offend yeah I think I think our society has oh, done an unfair yeah. job of making you feel offended if you say yeah. were to say you may be autistic yes um 
And if I, I suppose if that's the case, um, most of the time, and I, I'd have to wonder what the struggle is that they're struggling with. And I guess mm-hmm. like social, social things. It's a lot of times mirroring, helping them by um, with, with anyone, it's kind of like taking them under the wing. Mm-hmm. And really just, you know, in younger kids, they, they sometimes do this. Girls fare well because um, there is a lot more imitating and, and some of the masking. So the girls will like kind of shelter each other and like a girl will go underneath the wing of another girl and they'll imitate mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can kind of do that by being like, hey, come with me and, you know, we'll do this together. Come mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, let's I'll I'll hang out. And I, I can think of actually some of my friends. I always had some that other Aspie friend usually who was even more a little bit uh, more autistic than myself, mm-hmm. who I was playing dress up with, who I was dressing up even just a little more than myself. Mm-hmm. um and i look back and i always had that friend (laughs) yeah uh okay another question on our show we often discuss the stigma surrounding mental health in our society but as a medical professional can you speak to the stigma in healthcare that still exists today uh it just in general with with autism or in general (laughs) in general or either one whichever one well there's so much uh <laughs> so let's just go with let's stay with autism then yes um and well i, I i'll try and go on on a whole because i do feel yeah. that because i see it in especially even in an addiction um because there is a lot of when they're they're trying to get through and there is so much right now trauma in medicine and so much overworked on her pay like they're they're actually an oppressed society, healthcare professionals right now, and there's actually a lot of abuse and violence in medicine. Um, and it's not really being addressed, and they're coming up with all these creative terms of what to call it, like compassion fatigue and all these other things. Um, but they're getting burnout and they're getting exhaustion that I think the um, they're, that stigma, and so they're almost these labels that they're putting on patients, they're starting to apply it. And what I'm seeing is they're now almost putting this blind eye with algorithm-based care. It's like, okay, you have this, you have this symptom, I'm applying this diagnosis to you. They're not seeing that that person anymore. They're seeing symptom, 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 blah. Mm. Symptom, symptom, blah. Like it's, and symptom, 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 you get this med. Mm. I really try very hard not to practice that way. I 100% have always fought against that um, because I, well, I I think it's wrong 100% because it it, it, it leads to inaccurate diagnoses and um, it leads to actually usually bad care and patients not getting well, mm-hmm. um, usually 100% of the time. <laughs> Uh, one more question from Nicole. What techniques can you adopt as a parent of an autistic child in order to support them? Um, first is listen, listen, listen. A lot of times they will tell you. Um, mm. That honesty to a fault is is true. A lot of times it's that perspective, though. 
So what may seem like, because sometimes the trap is they're like, oh, but they're, they're lying or they're this. I hear that all the time. And I'm like, no, it's probably a, a communication with. And so mm. maybe either there's a, a omission of facts or you're not getting the whole story because they're forgetting to tell you part of the story or the right questions haven't been asked yet mm. Mm. or, um, or the, the right truth or it's a perspective difference mm. because of that difference. You know, my husband and I took um, the, the neurodiversity test or whatnot. We are literal, literal brain opposites. It's mm. creepy. Mm. That completely one side and he's completely <laughs> I did our genetic testing and literally I'm completely homozygote one way and he's completely the other way. It's bananas. <laughs> um <laughs> so it, 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 that so that perspective difference understanding and really listening because they're they're usually telling you and if they can't tell you what like verbally they may be showing you in music they may be actually playing it they may be sounding mm. it they may be drawing it they may really be trying to tell you something um that's the best support is listening or seeing what's the biggest misconception when it comes to autism or 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 mental health in general what's the biggest misconception um that people are just broken and or stupid or that there's that it's all just wrong or that bad or that moral failing or that it's choice i think there's still this idea like even though people are grabbing onto the idea that it's fixable or that it's medicine not all of it just needs to be changed either mm. um that's something else. Not all of it needs to be changed. And not all of it's broken. Some of it just needs to be more understood and how it all works together and fits together. Um, yeah. And why it's there. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that. I think that's important to say that you don't have to fix everything and everything isn't, you know, messed up, so to say. Mm -hmm. Um uh, okay, Taj, was there anything else? Because before we start to close, I, I definitely want to hear what Miss Dr. Jessica has to tell us with with the minute. Um, but I want to make sure before we get there, um, what what if you had any other questions? No, I mean, for me, I'm just listening and stuff like that. There's there's certain stigmas that I grew up with in terms of that that you just have to unlearn. You know, it's because of whether it was TV or just in general and. And it usually takes someone that's close to you that might um, introduce you to autism in a way that you those stigmas go away because you're learning about it in that way. Just we have a long way to go still, but we're making progress. But you know, I thank you for being on this show because you know our listeners are learning a lot from this. So. Yeah, I mean, even Nicole, when we just asked the question, she said, active listening. Thank you for answering my question, Jessica. Yeah. So um, I, I echo what Todd says, and, and thank you. You're always welcome here. This is a, a, a something that we don't really, even here, we haven't discussed or talked about much, and, and we don't know much about it. So just you being here and educating us and talking about it really helps. So, <laughs> I, and we love your energy. And that's been another thing we've been seeing. Everyone loves your energy. Oh, thank you. Um, so with that said, Miss Dr. Jessica, 
I warned you before the show, up to one minute to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Favorite book, cooking, autism, mental health, Super Bowl, whatever you want to talk about. All right. Ready? Here okay. you go. Well, then I guess I'll talk about Holacracy and why I picked Whole Lawn Inclusive Health System for the name of my company. Love it. Love it. Um, so I have a secret. Uh, what I'm working toward is I'm trying to bring Holacracy to healthcare. So I have, I intend to write um, my novel because go, go big or go home. Right. So yes. my theory yes. is to debunk Maslow because oh blasphemy, because I have to buck the head system. Right. I have to buck everything. So and, and real, real quick, Maslow, that's, the, where the needs are first. Hierarchy of needs, right? Right. So it's, so a, tri I, it's a triangle, it's a right? And it's a hierarchy. And yes. figure I am anti <laughs> taught everything. And mm. I am anti that hierarchy. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. the foundation, I am anti the foundation. <laughs> and, and I know I'm just messing up your minute, but I want to know why. I mean, not that I'm for it. Like, I don't know enough about it, but what is the, your passion about that? What, what is it about it? Well, my, my issue is, is I understand why you would have to address a basic need first. Like why, if someone's bleeding out, you need to address someone bleeding out. But what I found across the board is, is that if someone is bleeding out, but doesn't have the will to live, they're going to die no matter what. Mm. You're not always addressing the psychosocial at the same time that you're addressing their bleeding out. If you're not addressing all the needs at the same time, and this is how I've always felt as someone on the spectrum, if you're not addressing all of it at once, their environment, their psychosocial, and this is where holacracy fits into me. Mm. If you're not addressing all the needs at once, then it's, then it's pointless and fruitless. They're going to die anyway. Well, mm. you have to be like talking to them and coaching them and really feeling them at once, which is, you know, you would think that somebody on the spectrum wouldn't understand that, but I do, I'm feeling that the whole time through. And I think that's why it's stressful is because I understand that I need to be doing that, but it's, it's, you know, uh, so, no, that's, that's, that's powerful. I never thought of that, but you're, you're right. It makes complete sense. You know, you got to make sure all aspects of, of that person's okay. Um, okay. So how do people hear more? I, I put up Twitter uh, and this website, www.hihealthsystem.com. Um, what is here? What, what can people learn from and, and, and how can we get more of you? Yes, that's so I have that I have Twitter, I have Facebook, I have LinkedIn, um, I am pretty much social media everywhere. I'm hoping to get a podcast here started. Yes, um, I would love to. Uh, that's been one of my goal list and a blog, all the things I'm, I'm working on getting all those started at some point. Um, well, <laughs> well so. please do we, we are supporters of what you are and what you do. And we want to thank you for joining us. Um, again, always looking at the comments and, and, and people are appreciative. So thank you. And, and what I love about it is you have a light, fun way of talking about something that, uh, needs to be talked about more and more. And, um, I just yeah. want to thank you for, for, for contributing to our, our show. Thank you. <laughs> so with that said, we are going to close. Uh, we will be back next Wednesday at 1 p.m., everyone. Until then, please be safe. Much love always, and God bless you. Adios.